0: Good morning. I love this gospel reading, but I'm preaching from the Old Testament again. I think I've said that three or four times lately, but this is the Old Testament text from the lectionary, and I hope even before we talk about this text that you can just hear it unadorned very much as the word of the Lord um, before any reflection. This just just feels so much like a word from God that's so timely for us right now, and it comes from Jeremiah chapter 2. Beginning with verse 4, which says, Hear the word of the Lord, O house of Jacob, and all the families of the house of Israel. Thus says the Lord, What wrong did your ancestors find in me that they went far from me and went after worthless things and became worthless themselves? They did not say, Where is the Lord who brought us up from the land of Egypt, who led us in the wilderness? in a land of deserts and pits, in a land of drought and deep darkness, in a land that no one passes through where no one lives. I brought you into a plentiful land to eat its fruits and its good things. But when you entered, you defiled my land and made my heritage an abomination. The priests did not say, where is the Lord? Those who handled the law did not know me. The rules transgressed against me, the prophets prophesied by Baal and went after things that do not profit. Therefore, once more, I accuse you, says the Lord, and I accuse your children's children. Cross to the coast of Cyprus and look. Send to Kidar and examine with care. See if there has ever been such a thing. Has a nation changed its gods, even though they are no gods? But my people have changed their glory for something that does not profit. Be appalled, O oh heavens, at this. Be shocked. Be utterly be utterly desolate, says the Lord. For my people, and this is where I want to really focus your attention. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me the fountain of living water, and dug out cisterns for themselves, cracked cisterns that can hold no water. Just that phrase one more time. They have forsaken me the fountain of living water and dug out cisterns for themselves. Cracked cisterns that can hold no water. Would you pray with me? Lord, grant us the grace now to receive your word, to hear your word, to be changed by your word. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. This text comes from an interesting period in Israel's history. Um, Beyond any sort of the political realities of this, this is addressed during Israel's golden age, where there is kind of an early uh, rise in technology. We have these shifts throughout history. And one of the technological advances during this time, keeping in mind that you're living in a part of the world where uh, the southern deserts of Israel going down to, around, uh, to Cairo and Egypt, like this whole region, gets so little rainfall, often about a half an inch a year, wouldn't be uncommon to sometimes go two years with next to no rainfall at all. So people very early have to adapt to this reality to find ways to get water during the dry seasons. So during the rainy season, or if you're close to a source of water somewhere, they built these cisterns. And this really is like a technological advancement. Fairly sophisticated for their time, because sometimes there'd be little channels to go down to the cistern. The cisterns sometimes would have sort of an early filtration system that would kind of keep out certain kinds of filth. So now they know how to build cisterns. And it's around this season uh, where they finally figure out how to essentially build a kind of plaster, like to make this lime-based plaster that then could seal the cisterns so that theoretically water would not come out. So So keep all that in mind as we read this text. So the accusation here is that God says to his chosen people, Israel, instead of coming to me as the source of living water, you have a well, you have a river in your midst. I, I, will, I will give you the water. It's right here in front of you. You don't actually need a cistern at all. But instead, you have gotten so caught up in your own technology. You've become so impressed with the work of your your own hands. Look what I can do. Look what I can build that in chasing down the new technologies, you forgot about me, that in chasing down the technology made by your own hands, you've forgotten that you have the living source of water right here in your midst. And not only are you building cisterns that you do not need when I would give you this living water, but you are building cisterns that are broken. You're building cisterns that won't even hold water in your idolatry, in your bell worship, you are not, not only are you building unneeded cisterns, you're, you're building these that don't even work. Now, of course, it takes a ton of imagination to even just to even imagine outside, to even conjecture how this might be relevant to people like us. Can you even imagine a world in which people are so carried away by the pursuit of their own technology, <laughs> built by their own hands, that they become consumed by this? even when it doesn't satiate, even though it doesn't satisfy, even though it doesn't bring life, to to keep building these things that simply do not work, building lives that do not work, that are leaky, and yet to still be so somehow consumed, somehow caught up with the work of our own hands that we can't receive the invitation from God to a deeper, richer kind of life. This long before there were iPhones, long before... There was internet and all the things that we have now, this has always been the bent of any sort of human progress, is that the very moment that we start to advance technologically, we have a tendency to get carried away from this, but then we become more and more disconnected from the source. We're disconnected from the source, even if we don't have water to drink, even if we don't have food to eat, we don't even notice this, because we become so carried away, I hadn't thought about this in so many years until the first service, but about um, reading years ago about a study where they put these rats in a little cage where they had two buttons, and if they hit one button with their paws, what do rats have? Do they have paws? Little feeds, is that right? So, so if the paw hits one button, then they get a pellet of food. If they hit another button, they had these little... Um, these little antennas hooked up that basically stimulate the pleasure center in the brain, like the neurons there. So if you hit with one paw, you get the food. Other paw hits this other button, and it stimulates the pleasure center in your brain. What they found with the rats is that they would just keep hitting the pleasure center over and over and over again. I mean, like, all night, all day, until ultimately the rats starved to death in the presence of food... (laughs) just wanting to hit the button that would just stimulate the pleasure center. Isn't that remarkable? And such an image of how we live, of how we are, (laughs) to go after things that we know don't satisfy us, that on some level we, we, we 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 know this already. And anybody here, which I imagine is most of us on some level, anybody who on any level has ever dealt with an addiction yourself or loved someone who's dealt with an addiction knows how deeply true this is things that you can recognize as not being good for you, things that are not life-giving, and yet the pull of it becomes so strong. And oftentimes, it's just how it works. Like, we have to learn these things most of the time for ourselves. It'd be awesome if you could just tell people, well, just don't try that. And most people kind of have to hit the end of the rope somewhere where they try these things. They go after these things that don't satisfy, have to find out for themselves that that this is a life that just doesn't work. But it often it, it, that often comes at such at such great cost. What I feel like we get through texts like this is the heartbreak of God, who so deeply loves His people, who so deeply wants to provide for His people. Israel, all I've ever wanted to do is take care of you. All I've ever wanted to do is love you. When I brought you into the land to begin with, you remember that I gave you the good fruits. I gave you everything good that you ever wanted to eat and to drink. This is how I want to take care of you. Some of you know that frustration if to love a son and daughter through an addiction or a spouse or whoever, where it's like or anybody in fact who just doesn't know how to accept help when you're there and you're saying, like, "Look, I want to provide for you. I want to take care of you. Let me carry those bags. Let me do the housework. Let me pay the bill but they're just this this stubborn determination to keep doing it your own way. I think what we get in these texts is something of just the heartbreak of God over this, which is not, while it's often framed in judgment language, uh, the more that we look at the big story of Scripture, and I am not time to go into the whole thing, but like, I'm really convinced the further I go that the judgment of God is so much... uh, It's more kind of turning us over to our own stubbornness to allow us to keep going after things that don't satisfy us. It is not a punitive petty god who's super angry who's monitoring your quiet time okay you didn't do it right you didn't go through all the right steps therefore going to have to teach you a lesson that's that's not how it works but i do think there's a real heartbreak there at the way that we go chasing after these things that continue to just that continue to break us down that just don't bring life just again uh, building a life that does not work another 11:30 special i did not say this in the first service either, but I promise I didn't make it up. It's sort of remarkable I didn't think to tell this, actually. So this, I have a significant person in my life for whom I am dog-sitting and house-sitting this weekend while said significant person is away, who has a delightful dog named Biscuit who I dearly love, and kind of a mud, about 55 pounds, sweet as she could possibly be, and it's just, she's so much fun. Like, she just sort of, her whole person, she just wags her tail all the time and just just looks up with these big eyes, just constantly just, just wags. It's the sweetest dog ever. But man, this dog who has like, we think she's about like half uh, beagle. She just has this thing about, she just desperately wants to escape the house. And this is a beautiful house. So like the backyard has a fence that is kind of old and flimsy and wood. And she keeps looking for ways to get out from the fence. And she finds them. She'll get holes underneath. She'll find, again, the fence is sort of, and once you kind of like do something ghetto to try to patch up one hole, then she finds another. And it just, it gets me really frustrated. And this is a dog who I dearly love. But like, again, so yesterday morning, I took the dogs out. She got out and I didn't know it. Because typically I thought Fence was okay. Um, She found another way to get out. And a neighbor comes from like three doors down bringing the dog. So already, this is how I started the day. Later in the afternoon, take the dogs out again. Biscuit goes in one direction. Let her out of my sight for one second. And somehow got through the gate. I I, have never been so mad at an animal in all of my life. It was the second time yesterday. And, I never, and I'm, not, I'm not that person. Like I, never, I, I don't get mad at animals. I would typically be like, a dog is a dog. But the thing is, I am so good with dogs. I love a dog so well. And Biscuit in particular, Like she's there living the life of Riley. It's this beautiful house where she gets all the food that she wants, all the petting that she wants, like nonstop love and affection. It's like, Dog, what, do you even, what are you going to find 95 degrees out in the middle of the afternoon in Tulsa that would not be better, like, if you were here? Like I, So So I spent, like, 45 minutes out looking for the dog in the car So for some of it, walking for some of it. Finally, when I come walking back, Biscuit is right there back in front of the gate, like, wag, 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 wag. just happy. I get Biscuit in the house, and I try to explain this to her, you know? I was like... <laughs> I gave the whole speech. Biscuit. Biscuit, you've got a good life here, Biscuit. What are you trying to find that you don't have at home, Biscuit? All the love you need is right here. All the food you could want is right here. Like, Biscuit just have a, has a good life. It's like, are you not, are you not grateful? She also, has a, she also has a cat who's never grateful, but that's expected, Right? <laughs> Like a 17-year-old cat. That's the onerous thing. If Bis- Biscuit's whole personality is wag, 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 the cat's whole personality, it's like she's smoking a drag off a cigarette and like, I hate you people. <laughs> like constant profanity. Like I don't expect gratitude from the cat, but Biscuit I do expect a little bit more from. It's like this is, this is just what she does. And I just look at that. It's like, it, it is a, that is a metaphor for my whole life is the Lord spreads the feast, the Lord gives nothing but good things. If I can find a hole through the fence, if I can find a way out, even if there's something I can go chase, whatever, it's so easily distracted. My personality has precisely two gears. And this is, people who know me well know this is true. I either don't like something or I'm addicted to it. It's one or the other. I have no middle ground. I either don't like or I am addicted. I don't even understand kind of in-betweens. Uh, I'm a U2 fan, which means I've seen U2 in concert 17 times all around the world. Um, if I, um, I'm, I love movies, so do not like a casual thing. I have less time than ever for these things these days. But I think I estimated, because I used to keep track on like Netflix, that I've seen in my life, oh, I don't know, five, 6,000 movies, conservatively, which includes a lot of films you haven't heard of, because I have an addictive personality. It's just what I do. So like, if you give me the buttons... <laughs> And one offers food, and the other one stimulates the pleasure center. Believe me, I'll just keep hitting that over and over again. And thank you, Jesus, for spreading this feast for me. However, if I can eat Doritos every meal at 3 a.m. and just keep going, if that feels good in the moment, then that's just what I want to do. Does anybody understand what I'm saying? It's so fun. I love how like half of you right now are like, "Oh, our." our Teaching pastor is very disturbed. He needs, <laughs> he needs help. Someone should talk with him. People have tried, <laughs> and I'm just like biscuit. <laughs> I just whack and keep going. <laughs> this for me. The, this is such an image of how I feel like we we live so much of our lives, and especially in the technological digital age that we are right now. Just keep clicking. I'm so tired and I just want to go to sleep, but I'm still clicking. <laughs> Eyes crossed, right? Uh, I, I, I need to rest so badly. Some of you guys are so terribly sleep deprived. And yes, work's busy or whatever, but a lot of it is staying up 2.30 in the morning, just scrolling through Facebook, whatever, aimlessly, just looking for something else to amuse or entertain, having no boundaries on any of these things. And I feel like now more than ever, it makes the invitation of the Lord so powerful and such a contrast that God, in his goodness, in his love, invites us to come apart from all of that. And the whole invitation is, will you not just let me love you? Will you, just, will you not just let me provide? Will you not just let me sustain you? Part of the trouble, at least for me, is that in the environment I grew up in, which I don't blame on anybody else, but my own understanding of prayer and any sort of spiritual discipline was so much like, if I don't do this an appropriate amount of time or do it exactly the right way, God's going to punish me. And when you think that way, then that's never associated with something pleasurable or rich or good. So I, did, I remember playing video games. I would play the old Nintendo. And towards the end of Double Dribble, which is a great basketball game, I would hit the reset button to not finish the game and pray because I thought like that's what my sacrifice might, was supposed to be for that day. Almost looking for ways to not have a good time to then pray some sort of slavish sort of prayer that had no like heart and soul to it. So from early, early age, I associated that's work. That's the stuff I don't want to do that keeps me from doing things that are fun. And I just realize now how, how warped all of that is. How much God wants us to delight in his presence how much God wants us to to provide rich things for us. Um, There are seasons, of course, where we fast. Uh, Around here at Lent, we talk about that a lot. So there's a role and place for fasting in the Christian life. But please understand, the Christian life is much more about feasting than it is fasting. Feasting primarily. The God who says that he not only wants us to have life, but to have it more abundantly. Who wants to provide us with good things. Who wants to satisfy us with good things. But we're still the kids who want to eat Doritos around the clock and feel like God must be terribly angry and ornery that he would not want us to have Doritos at 3 o'clock in the morning and just keep going. It's, it, it's, just, it's just not how it works. Let me show you a couple other texts that we'll look at quickly. Um, and actually, another one from the lectionary for today. I love this so much from the Psalms. Um, can we get that for the screen? Yeah, Psalm 81, beginning verse 10, says... I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. But my people did not listen to my voice. Israel would not submit to me. So I gave them over to their stubborn hearts. See, that's what judgment looks like. Not punitive, angry God. That's all, it's not him giving us what we do. It's just, look, if you want it that bad, I will let you have it. So as God gives us over to our stubborn hearts to follow their our own counsel, then we go on. All oh, that my people would listen to me, that Israel would walk in my ways. Then I would quickly subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their foes. Those who hate the Lord would cringe before Him, and their doom would last forever. Hallelujah! Praise God. <laughs> I would feed you with the finest of the wheat and with honey from the rock. I would satisfy you. Like, do you hear that in the text? I would give you the best. I would give you honey. I would spread a feast. I would give you the finest of everything if you would just let me. If you would just give me the space. If you would just give me the room. If you would just let me take care of you. What's that line from Jerry Jerry Maguire? Let me help you. Is that how that goes? Help me help help you. I knew I was missing. Help me help you. (laughs) Just let me do this. Some of y'all thought that was like a. Theological reference, didn't you? Jerry Maguire. I don't remember that theologian. Oh, I, wait, I remember Brother Maguire. Yeah. So, anyway, one more text from the book of, I'm having a good time this service, evidently, Isaiah 55, and I love these verses. Ho, which is kind of the, this translation's way of saying, hey. <laughs> Hey, ho hey, ho. Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money. Hear that? People who have no money? Come, buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. How many of you like that deal? Like this is my this is the diet I want right here. All the wine and milk you want. Without cost, is not that genius? That's not preacher talk either. Like I really do love milk and wine. <laughs> Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me. Some of you should make this your life verse. Eat what is good, and delight yourselves in rich food. Amen. Like I think this is for it's in the Bible. This for me. <laughs> becomes such an image of what life of God is actually supposed to look like. Feasting, rich food, good things, real pleasure, as opposed to things that actually don't please us, instead of things that just make us feel more empty, instead of things that just make us feel... uh, addicted and strung out, things that empower, things that give life, things that make us strong, things that nourish our souls, but yet also are, there, there's a real feasting that's supposed to happen here. I don't have time for a mini lecture on the spiritual disciplines, but whether uh, Jared McKenna did a wonderful workshop with us a few weeks ago on contemplative prayer, or some of us are praying through the uh, the daily offices to the Book of Common Prayer, so amazing to me, just the richness of those times. Not that it feels awesome every minute, but just by giving God a little bit of time and space to work to satisfy our souls, the difference that that makes. All all I'm asking for this morning is that wherever you are coming from, that you would reflect, even for a moment, on what things that you're chasing after right now that just do not satisfy See, I'm not even asking you to be super spiritual about it. I'm not even, I'm not even, asking you to just, just think about the evil things. I don't, they're not all evil things. Some of them might be, but I, I'm talking about things that you continue, and this could be anything from workaholism, where you just slavishly, like you are so, so whatever it takes for more money, whatever it takes for more things. This could be sexual addiction. This could be substance abuse, whatever form that takes, the stuff that you keep craving that when you get it, only makes you want more, doesn't satisfy. One of my favorite quotes of Frederick Bietner is that lust is the craving of salt for a man dying of thirst. You just want more, and you just keep wanting and wanting, and it's just an endless cycle of want where the needs never get satiated, your soul's never full, Your body's never satisfied. It just keeps going further and further and further. Can you hear this morning the invitation of the God of freedom who invites you to come apart from those things that just simply cannot satisfy you so that he can feed you the really good things, so that he can take care of you, so that he can cover you and wrap his arms around you? In just a few moments when we come to the table, this is where we learn how to do this. What we do when we come to the table is what's teaching us how to live every moment in the spirit. What is God asking me to do right here, right now? Very simple. To come, to open my hands and just receive. Receive the gift of this moment. Receive the gift of this breath. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, long after this service is over, there is an invitation. Any moment that you're ready to just to wake up to the presence of God and to receive the gift of his peace, to receive the gift of his love. This moment teaches us how to live all the others. But before we do that, I do want to pray for you. Would you just close your eyes for a moment? And let's just reflect and not be weird about it and not be inhibited about it. Let's be, let's be honest. What are the things right now? What are the things right now that you're chasing after? What are the things right now? God, you... Look into us, and you always see straight on through, and you see, Lord, um, the things that we chase after that are so empty. There'll never be enough likes on Facebook or Twitter. There'll never be enough partners. There'll never be enough junk food. There'll never be enough alcohol, drugs, fill in the blank, people's approval, all these things, God. That really don't satisfy us. They aren't good for us. They always leave us worse off rather than better. And yet we just keep hitting the same button over and over again when you want to provide us uh, the, the, the sweetest and richest of foods. God, I pray that you would teach us how to delight in you. I pray, God, that you would give us the, just the grace and the strength to receive the invitation that you offer us as the God of freedom is the God who does not want us to be bound, but the God who only wants what's best for us, who only wants us to be more human and more alive and to live more full. God, I pray even in this moment that we would choose to come awake. I pray even in this moment, God, that we would um, invite you to come and smash down all our idols. God, if we need to (laughs) If you need to, Lord, uh, help us just kind of throw down the cell phone for a little while. Whatever it takes, God, I just pray that you would draw us apart, come, l- allow us to come apart in your presence where we can remember who we are again and remember who we're called to become again. And I do pray specifically, God, in this service that for anyone who is bound by any kind of addiction right now, I do ask in the strong name of Jesus Christ, that you would bring freedom and relief, that there would be this strong sense today, God, that you don't look at any of your sons and daughters through eyes of judgment, only with perfect love. You want them to be well, you want them to be whole, you want them to be free. Teach us how to trust that. Teach us how to trust that you only want what's best for us and what's good for us. We ask this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Sanctuary Church. If you're in the Tulsa area, we invite you to attend one of our weekend services on Sundays at 8.30 a.m., 10.00 a.m. or 11.30 a.m. If you would like more information about who we are and what we're about, or to partner financially with what God is doing through Sanctuary, you can go to our website at SanctuaryTulsa.com. You can also download our mobile app from the App Store and Google Play. We hope you'll join us next week. Grace and peace.